So this is a new thing for me. I'm recording a special intro to this episode, which is episode 27 of the podcast, How Technology is Renovating the Home of Cricket. And I'm doing this because on July the 14th, Sunday, July the 14th, England won the Cricket World Cup. And by amazing coincidence, they won the World Cup at the home of cricket, at Lord's Cricket Ground. So the episode you're just about to hear is recorded with Damien Smith, who's in charge of all of the technology for the England Cricket Board. And he, the England and Wales Cricket Board, to give its full title, the ECB, and the ECB is located at Lord's Cricket Ground, which is where the wonderful sport of cricket was created. And if you haven't heard or watched what happened in the last few minutes of this extraordinary sporting event, then please do um, go on YouTube, type in England versus New Zealand, Lord's, and you'll see what happened. And I hope you enjoy this episode, which I recorded looking out on the ground where it happened. There's a bit of a crisis, I think, at the moment in that there are lots of cricket clubs around the country that are um, surviving because of one or two or three key individuals within that club who do everything. And unfortunately, there's nobody queuing up to say, well, when that person retires, I want to do that role. And we have a whole generation of people who know that an awful lot of what is being done could be done using a smartphone and a clever app and won't settle for the filling out of forms in triplicate and and as a result in order to harness those people and harness that that workforce we need to be making sure that we're making it as easy as possible for them to run their clubs um, rather than putting you know barriers in their way to, to getting people involved. Hi, I'm Paul Miller, and this is Digital Workplace Impact, where we investigate and explore the ideas, practices, and people impacting the new digital worlds where we work. Digital Workplace Impact is produced by the Digital Workplace Group, a strategic partner covering all aspects of the evolving digital workplace industry through membership, benchmarking, and boutique consulting services. For more information, visit digitalworkplacegroup.com. So I'm delighted to be sitting with Damien Smith here at Lord's Cricket Ground. It's a pretty amazing scene in front of me. Even though we've had a lot of snow lately, I'm looking at a pristine green expanse, which, Damien, this is completely gorgeous view and for lord's cricket ground for people who don't know about it just give me a little potted history and 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 also then also tell me just a little bit about your role lord's cricket ground there are worse places to work in the world <laughs> that's for sure we have the best meeting rooms lord's cricket ground is owned and run by the mcc and there's been a cricket ground of some description here for about 200 years and we as the national governing body the england Welsh cricket board 
are tenants of the MCC. So um, we and the MCC is the Marlebone Cricket Club because we are in the this area of London is Marlebone. I guess so. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and they have a, a very important role in in the international game. They're responsible for the laws of the game. So we have this uh, relationship with them, where we um, work with them to further cricket um, mm. globally and and nationally. Mm. So yes, the England and Wales Cricket Board is responsible for the game of cricket in this country. It's the national governing body. Um, we're a bit different to other national governing bodies in that uh, we, we don't have a ground of our own. We're tenants of ground. So when we put on an international cricket match, then we put one on at a ground around the country. And also we're slightly different from other national governing bodies in that there's no separate premierships and no separate premier league. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, we have the luxury of being responsible for the game from the international level through the professional mm. game, through the recreational game to grassroots mm. uh, and everything in between. And you're located at Lords, which I think of, I'm not a massive cricket fan, but I know a certain amount about cricket. I, I'd think of this as the, the home of cricket. Absolutely right. You know, and, Absolutely and, right. And, and over to the left, that's a, that, that building, the orange coloured building, that, that's, that's it's the famous. iconic Lord's Pavilion. Yeah, that's right. And uh, and in there is the Lord's Long Room, and uh, and then on the balconies that we can see from here, we can see the England dressing room, or the home team dressing room, and the away team dressing rooms, and uh, and the benches, the white benches, and the white picket fences where the members sit. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's it's absolutely beautiful, and um, we'll t- we'll take one or two pictures and put them up on the podcast site so just tell me your head of it for the ecb yes so so what does that involve it's a massively varied role um because of as i said the the nature of of the varied um, role of the england wales cricket board i have the privilege of um, looking after um, it for the international game, so our elite um, players. We have a National Cricket Performance Centre in uh, Loughborough University campus um, where we have uh, our sports science and medicine departments and our performance analysis departments. And that's where players go to work hard and, to, to, uh, and we work hard with them to put the best prepared, um, fittest athletes on, on the cricket pitch that we can. And then... so. All of the IT support around that, so all of the analytic systems, the video analysis, the biomechanical analysis, the biometric analysis, um, all of those IT systems uh, fall within my remit. Um, Then for the professional game, um, we uh, run various uh, leagues and competitions nationally. Um, 18 first-class county cricket clubs compete um, to um, play in those various competitions Um, so the IT associated with those competitions uh, everything from media accreditation through to in certain venues putting uh, full spectator high density Wi-Fi and then at the recreational 
part of the game so that's everybody picking up a bat and ball and playing cricket themselves whether that's on the beach or whether that's at a village green um, or however they want to play cricket then we have all of the systems that support them so whether they're competition management systems or their coaching systems e-learning systems membership systems um, and uh, and then all of the governance um, of the game the technology that supports um, those aspects of the game such as safeguarding uh, anti-corruption anti-doping uh, and and everything in between there's never a dull wow. moment and, and and how many people actually work for the ecb we have about 250 people working for the ecb right. and then the way that we're structured um we if you like delegate responsibility for running the recreational game to 39 county cricket boards around mm-hmm. the country and they have their own staff um, who will use systems that the ECB provides as right. well as some of their own. And then we delegate responsibility for the um, running of the professional game to 18 first-class county mm-hmm. um, cricket clubs. And they are, obviously they have their staff as well, and then we work with them to deliver those mm. um, So when you think of you know, what we would call the digital workplace, the digital world of work, are you thinking about the 250 people working for the ECB or are you thinking about a wider because you've got all of the all of these uh, affiliations and associations and connections are they are they part of your team if you like absolutely so if if we if we imagine it going in concentric Mm. rings then we have uh, the 250 staff that that um, are direct employees of the ECB but then as I said we provide systems um, to hopefully make people's lives easier, to help them administer the game in their um, county boards. We provide systems to those people and collaboration platforms uh, and, and means of sharing of information with those people. And then we have, you know, six to 8,000 cricket clubs out there where it's our ambition to make the running of a cricket club as easy as it possibly can right. be. And historically, it hasn't been easy to run sporting clubs and why not well i think there's there's an awful lot of um administration that goes into a club and then traditionally national governing bodies were very good at if Mm. somebody wanted to affiliate themselves to a national governing body then the national governing body would say thank goodness you're here and give them a a a big pile of paper to fill out in triplicate and then say can you do that annually (laughs) um and so we have an ambition that um, people will only put in information once right so traditionally if somebody's talking to one part of the ecb about um i don't know some kind of grant or loan that they're applying for then they'll have to give us an awful lot of information which we might already know because they've already told a different part of the organization about that for an affiliation or something like that Um, so we're gradually unpicking those monolithic systems and those business processes to hopefully make life easier for um the the people that are actually so so what's technology do you use to try and connect the the 250 or the the different connect concentric circles a variety of technology so there's technology in there that you would you would kind of expect in in an organization that that um, is kind of conscious of the digital workplace so you'd, you'd expect some of the office 365 microsoft stack that we use and yammer and mm-hmm. and um, those kind of technologies we use huddle as a collaboration platform right. as well and then as we kind of go out those uh, kind of go beyond those concentric circles then 
Um, we tend to use secure collaboration platforms such as Yammer and Huddle mm. um, to communicate and and collaborate on on you know creation of documents and, and things like that with with people. We also have a centralized CRM platform on Microsoft Dynamics, mm-hmm. um, so you're detecting with quite a Microsoft centric shop. Yeah. And we're gradually rolling out applications for our kind of affiliated organisations to use those those collaboration platforms and CRM platform to make their lives easier from an administration perspective, but also to make the participants' life easier. Mm. So a few years ago, if you wanted to go on a coaching course uh, and you lived, as I do, in Marlow, then... Um, you could potentially go to a, um, a coaching course in Buckinghamshire or Berkshire or Surrey or Middlesex or Hertfordshire. So that would entail looking at five or six different um, websites or contacting different yeah. people, five or six different ways of booking yourself on that course, five or six different ways of paying for it, which might only be turning up with cash on the day. And then perhaps the only record of your having been there might be a piece of paper passed yeah. around saying, yeah. put your email address on here. Mm. So it's a, a very uncomfortable business process uh, user experience for yeah. the, um, the the person booking themselves on the course but also a very difficult to manage administrative kind of process for the people in in the county boards that that mm. um, run these courses so now with the use of crm technology somebody can just say give me coaching courses within 20 miles of my house they can choose the one they want they can book themselves on it they can pay electronically and then they can turn up and be expected on the day and not only that good customer experience we have a relationship with them mm. and the county board has a relationship with that participant i mean and presumably by you know it's not simply that you're actually providing you know the technology and the ease of access you're actually i i would imagine bringing the cricket community closer together because there's always that sense isn't there that if you're running a, a you know a, an amateur team somewhere the more that you can feel connected in to the ECB, the more you feel like you're actually part of a body of cricket. Absolutely. It's the, it's, and it is that family, that cricket... We always talk about the cricket family, but it's also the, the cricket family extends into the cricket club. And there's a bit of a crisis, I think, at the moment in that there are lots of cricket clubs around the country that are surviving because of one or two or three key individuals within that club mm. who do everything yeah. and we have awards for those um, mm-hmm. for, for, for recreational cricket participants and every year there's somebody who you know gets up at six o'clock in the morning and mows the square and he does the tees and he picks the teams and and does absolutely everything mm. and unfortunately there's nobody queuing up to say well when that person retires I mm. want to do that role mm. and we have a whole generation of people who know that an awful lot of what is being done could be done using a smartphone and a clever app and won't settle for the filling out of forms in triplicate Mm. and as a result in order to harness those people and harness that that workforce we need to be making sure that we're making it as easy as possible for them Mm. to run their clubs rather than putting you know barriers in their way to to getting people involved yeah no, it's, it's true. I mean, I, I have experience of this somewhat myself from tennis because mm. I, I, I captain a team in the Oxfordshire League. And I must say the technology to do that is really good. Mm. So just putting up the scores, seeing all the stats that come out of it. 
and it really does make kind of running a team a lot easier. Yeah. Um, and um, so that that whole experience is is so important. So is 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 there a certain percentage of your time that's focused on the 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 sort of workforce beyond the ECB and a, and a certain amount of time focused on the the 250 or is it not as kind of black and white as that I I guess so I mean I I'm I'm responsible for I I, I make it my responsibility to to improve the lot of everybody involved in cricket if that doesn't sound too pompous but Mm. it's um so the things that improve the lot of people at the coalface people coaching people delivering services to cricket or running cricket clubs um or playing cricket the things that improve their lot also improve ours and i guess what i mean by that is that that one way of looking at the role of a national governing body is to think of it a bit in terms of an organisation like Facebook. So there's a truism in IT, which is that if you're not paying for something, then you're not the customer, you're the product. So Mm. we use Facebook, we don't pay for it. Mm. So we're not their customer, we're the product that they're selling Mm. to advertisers. When you say you use Facebook, you mean you... you I mean as an individual, not not as ECB. So so just as an example, I use use Facebook, so I'm not a customer of Facebook, I'm the product that they're selling to advertisers. Mm. So the more of people like me there are, Mm. and the more they know about me at an excruciating level of detail, then the more revenue they can generate from advertisers. Mm. Now, national governing bodies could be viewed in a similar light which is that our product is our participant Mm. so the more participants we have and the more we know about them and the way that they engage with the game then the more investment we can attract from Mm. broadcasters sponsors and government to invest in the game and that's the the economics of of sport really um and just like facebook needs to keep reinventing Mm. itself to get people coming back Mm. uh, and to attract new audiences we need to keep reinventing ourselves as a sport to attract new audiences and to keep people interested Mm. so once you suggest once you acknowledge that this is a you know an aim of of a national governing body then everything becomes um about understanding the participant Mm. understanding them at a personal level so that yeah. you, you, you've got a good relationship with that participant and are servicing that participant in the best way possible. But also in aggregate to, mm. to understand the trends, to understand um, how people want to play cricket. Mm. Um, so gone are the days where people can work nine to five all week and then on a Saturday get up at nine o'clock in the morning, go and play ten hours of cricket mm-hmm. and then stay all night in the clubhouse. Right. Um, People want new ways of engaging with the game, yeah. shorter forms of the game, yeah. as well as longer forms of the game. But mm. but um, if we only, you know, if we if we stick to what we've always done, then we'll have diminishing mm. um, we'll have diminishing participation. And does does this um, collaborative connection with the the community of cricket give you insight into what are the things that that people want? or the things that they, they don't want. Um, because obviously one of the things that, you know, just to take your Facebook analogy, is is that as people start to understand their, you know, the demographic that they're dealing with and start to get the data that, that, that the technology produces, it, it can give you surprising insights. I, I wonder whether something has, has, has come up that's, hmm, 
we've noticed this particular trend. Mm, that's quite interesting. Yeah, I can give you a very good example of that, actually. And it's, it's not so much surprising, but it, it does confirm a lot of what we, we thought we knew. And that's one of the ambitions, actually, of, of operating in this way and capturing as much data as possible and analysing that data is to keep us evidence-based because, like a lot of organisations, there's an awful lot of anecdote that flies around and and it's very easy to, to, to kind of make policy based on anecdote. <laughs> yeah. and, and so what we want to do is avoid that at all costs. Um, and we're very good at doing that in our performance um, arena. So whether you're looking at the stats of who to pick for an England cricket team and then um, you know, how well people will play in certain conditions. And, but to use that same discipline across the rest of the organisation. So a good example of this is that, that we have very good research that tells us that if somebody doesn't have an association with cricket, they haven't played cricket by the time they leave primary school, then they're very unlikely to for the rest of their life. So it's very rare for somebody to turn around in their mid-40s like me and say, never played this cricket malarkey before, I wonder what that's all about, I'll yeah. take it up and turn yeah. up at a cricket club. Not people just like golf. People don't do it, yes, exactly, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so that the direct result of that research is to then say, well, how are we going to maximise the number of people between the ages of five and eight that are going to play cricket um, so that they have some association. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter how deep that association is, it's just a kind of a recognition, or it might be somebody who goes on to play and becomes an international player. But what we want to do is, is have as many people to have a, an affinity with cricket, so that mm. when there's cricket on the telly like there is today, mm. um, they look at it, they understand what's going on, they understand the score, and they understand mm. you know, what's happening, and then might take a deeper interest in it. And so... That this year we launched our All Stars Cricket Programme, which is a, a national programme mm -hmm. directed specifically at five to eight-year-olds okay. to um, have as many five to eight-year-olds engage with cricket, have a good game of cricket in a fun environment, um, w as well as linking that to international cricket and the professional game. So kids that played uh, in those um, uh, programs also uh, came to for example some of them came to the women's world cup final and and right. and, and those kind of things and to to create that family oriented buzz around cricket yeah that's that that sort of reminds me because obviously one of the things that's happened in the last two or three years is that is that women's sports in cricket and football just seems to have sort of arrived mm. as a real force and obviously achieving huge success is as is that uh, area of cricket using the same technology as as the men's game uh, has there been any particular innovations because of that or um? Um, I think we we regard ourselves as being at the forefront of that that drive to promote women's sport um, and women's cricket and so we introduced central contracts for, for um, women cricketers um, ahead of all of the other cricketing nations uh, a few years ago and, and have continued that. And we, we made a deliberate effort that the Women's World Cup final would be sold out here at Lords. Mm. Um, and, and it was just a fantastic event with mm. a fantastic atmosphere and a fantastic result for yeah. England in that we went on to win it. And all of the technology that we use 
um, for um, the men's game um, we use and is available for the women's game so the National Cricket Performance Centre is the home where the the, uh, women's team train and actually that's true of other forms of the game so disabilities cricket as well Mm. um, have camps at our National Cricket Performance Centre as well Mm. so uh, all of that technology we want to bring to bear to, Mm. to, to make people able to perform to the best of their ability to make the teams um, function as well as they can and to make the athletes as fit and injury-free as possible. And, and how did you en- end up here? Because, um, you know, it, it, it's, your background's not in cricket, I don't think. No. So, so, so what, what brought you into the ECB? I, uh, my background's in management consulting and uh, I, I used to work for KPMG Consulting um, for many years and then I was an independent for many years. And... I did a couple of projects for the ECB, um, one notably back in 2004-05 where we introduced video analysis across the game. And uh, Whose idea was that? Um, whose idea was that? I think uh, we had a very good user, um, IT user, in a bowling coach called Troy Cooley at the time. And he wanted certain pieces of information he wanted certain video footage he wanted certain uh, analytics on that video footage um so we were able to implement an it project to capture all of that information and to put it all into a, a, a nice store where he could then ask it to give him every ball bowled at adam gilchrist that he played and missed at and, and try and work out ways of getting people out and come up with bowling plans and i think that was probably the first time that we really seriously became aware of bowling plans and bowling right. partnerships in, yeah. in international cricket um so fantastic um power user i think we call them in it right, yeah and so i very tenuously claim to have won the ashes in in 2005 it's nothing to do with uh, nothing to do with the cricketers on the field it was all to do with the technology well, it, it, in the background it's a team <laughs> yeah. um yeah so uh, a number of projects back then but then i was also then back into industry i was doing some consulting with um insurance companies in london market insurance and uh, in tobacco and defense lots of work on the dark side so so um, I was approached about five years ago, nearly to the day, actually. I started on Christmas Eve in 2012 in this role as head of IT and um, uh, leapt upon it as, mm. you know, being able to do very little harm in, in a, you know, a wonderful sport well, and a wonderful environment. Well, nobody's going to argue with making the world better through cricket, are they? Making cricket better is only going to be a positive thing, like, like all sport. And um, so, but it, it feels to me like the ECB has had a role of, of bringing technology in, into the sport at the uh, top level. And, and, you know, I'm amazed just looking at the analysis that we get now, the, the insight, the, the, the tracking. Why is it that the, the ECB seems to have kind of initiated that wave of, of innovation I don't necessarily think it's only the ECB. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think it's it's an arms race, really. Every every international team is looking to be the best they possibly can, and they're looking to leave no stone unturned to, to try and um, make themselves as good as they possibly can. So it's inevitable, really, that we'll look to technology, we'll look to analysis to try and make um, improvements, marginal gains, wherever we can, and, and sometimes massive gains where we can. So... As I say, it's, it's, it's an arms race, so we might find that we do something particularly well in, in the field, for example, of 
video analysis, but then somebody will catch up with us and potentially overtake us, and then we'll look to everywhere to to, to try and find different ways of, of of being the best. And it's important that that we have an inspiring cricket team to drive participation and to drive the growth of the game. So if we're inspiring young people to pick up a bat and ball because they're particularly inspiring cricketers or they're doing particularly well or they're, they're just appeal to youngsters as that's what as role models as that's who they want to be, then it, it grows participation, which is our end. So our investment in being the best team possible and using technology to mm. do that um, has ripple effects mm. across the entire game. But the game. technology's not only been used to improve the performance of the the athletes, but it's also been used for the enjoyment of the fans and the insight for the, the for the audience. That was that is that a specific objective as well? Absolutely. So if if somebody comes to a cricket match, then I would like them to have the the best experience that they could possibly have mm. um, at a cricket match and not just the best cricket experience or the best sporting experience but just the best almost destination experience mm. so so we look to other sports we look to other countries um, doing what they're doing in cricket but we also look to other different organizations so how are other organizations making people's lives easier or more engaging or just having a fantastic experience because if you come to a cricket match and you have a fantastic experience you're going to tell other people about it Mm. and then I want people coming Mm. you know to more and more cricket matches or saying I want to play cricket Mm. um, or I want to know more about cricket or how can I get involved how can I volunteer and technology and having that immersive experience helps to to improve helps to to kind of drive that that dynamic it shouldn't get in the way Mm. so uh, there's a there's a a maxim isn't there about you know bad wi-fi is worse than no wi-fi so if you're going to go to a a sporting venue and try and get on the wi-fi and you can't you're more upset than if it didn't have wi-fi in the first place but actually to appeal to our you know um target audience of of getting young people engaged with cricket so they have this lifelong affinity with cricket nobody of that age group i have three children in their teens and they don't want to sit in a communications black spot for seven hours however much they love cricket they want to be telling everybody that they're at the cricket they want to be telling everybody what a fantastic experience they are they want to be taking photos and Mm. videos and sharing that information Mm. and they want to be looking up you know statistics and and video mm. and enriching that experience while they're there so do you, is, does that make you provide particularly good wi-fi here is that um yes uh, so we we have we have a project to to gradually roll out high density in stadium wi-fi to all of our venues right. um which uh, is we that typical of, of of other sports or other venues uh, it varies so um so i talked to my my counterparts in football and there's varying take up of in stadium wi-fi because actually people go to football it's uh you know it's 45 minutes and there's a a gap in the middle and it's immersive the last thing you want to be doing is looking down at your device trying to get on the (laughs) wi-fi so pushing things like action replay and things like that to a mobile device probably doesn't work in football Mm. they probably want to look up at a big screen to do that i think if you're spending um eight hours at the cricket and you've got you know, a, a natural break every five, ten minutes because of the the change in overs. Um, you've got time to do things like, I missed that boundary 
can I look at it again? So that it's those kinds of experiences that we're looking at. So the 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 baseline, the, the kind of enabling technologies to put high-density Wi-Fi into the venues, mm. along with good mobile signal, and then to look at different ways of exploiting that and different ways of making that customer experience surprising mm. and delightful so that they they have good ways of engaging with mm. the, the sport. And also, if it's just a case of pretending that they're at the office and doing their email, then that's fine yeah. by me as well. No, I mean, I think it, it, it's fascinating to think about you know, what people need. I interviewed somebody who's been part of the transformation of Barclays and, and they were talking about the importance that powerful Wi-Fi is placed for them in their banks, mm. in their branches. And, and actually, the, one of the reasons they did it was just to attract people into their branches. Yeah. You know, even just to, not even Barclays customers, just it, it, it's, it's trying to think about, well, what's the kind of glue that's going to be important here? Yeah. And, and um, obviously today the, the England cricket team are in, in action. Well, they'll now be in bed, but... Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, does that change what happens for you when the team's actually playing as they are at the moment in Australia? Or um, Not really, um, in that uh, it's quite a well-trodden path. And, and generally speaking, there's an England team of some description, whether it's a senior men's team, senior women's team, a disabilities team, or a, one of our age group teams, playing somewhere in the world right. most of the year. Mm. But I think that's also, that's a, a credit to the transformation that's been enabled by digital workplace type technology so years gone past um, we might get a panic call from an England team saying they've picked a mystery spinner and we don't know anything about him and has anybody got any footage of him and then there'd be the call back to HQ and people would be going through DVDs and <laughs> right. trying to find some footage of yeah we think this chap played for county cricket for some club sometime and and then finding a way of getting that DVD out on the next plane with somebody going out to the team. Mm. But now they have all of that analysis at their fingertips. So if they want to look at video of any player that's mm. playing in the first-class game around the world, then they can just open their iPad mm. and, and view so that do, footage. Would they have anybody responsible for technology with the team? or So we have... with. We have an England team analyst that travels with with um, with the team, and and that happens for all of the the teams, and they're responsible for coding every single ball that's bowled with the the, the various other things at their disposal as well, like all the radar technology, like Hawkeye and and things like that. But they classify every ball that's bowled and then work with the coaches and the players to look at what's happening in a live match situation but also then preparing people for the next day's play or the next match so our performance analysis team who are based up in Loughborough have uh, people that travel with the team Mm. and and uh, I mean one of these it's always fascinating to talk to somebody who's responsible for the digital workplace and and wider um, kind of digital experience in a in a if you like a non traditional organisation, and and what do you think um, the more traditional organisations, the Unilevers and the Pfizer's and so on, uh, what do you think they can learn from the way that that you you approach things? I mean, one of the things that that strikes me is that you, apart from understanding the technology, you're very strategic in in the way that you think things through but i don't know if there's anything that is sort of what can they learn from you i i, I wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't um 
be so bold as to suggest that they could learn anything from I mean we continually try and learn things from other organisations so we mm. think there's a lot to learn from Unilever and, and all of these other organisations whether they're you know fast moving consumer goods organisations or they're um, consulting organisations or whatever so for example Gartner's a very interesting model for us Gartner the IT services company it's another one of these analogous business models where they have a knowledge base that I can subscribe to and I can find out anything I want to about IT uh, and then I can also self-assess to see how good I am at, at doing various aspects of IT again the ECB is no different to that in that we have an awful lot of expertise about how to run cricket clubs how to run disability sections or women and girls sections or how to um, run competitions and things like that and putting that expertise into the hands of people using a searchable knowledge base of some description and also giving them the ability clubs um, the ability to self-assess to say how good they are and then we could do something equivalent to Gartner and get everybody together so, for so a big how could some how could a, a specific club use the the technology to self-assess what, what, what so we we um, have uh, we're piloting a system at the moment where there's a just a questionnaire of kind of capability maturity of of you as a as a cricket club and what kind of cricket club you have ambitions to be so some okay. cricket clubs want to be big cricket clubs with lots and lots of different you know junior sections and things and other people just want a cricket club of old friends who get together once a year and play three mm. matches or something and we can offer expertise and insight into how to manage all of the club welfare issues, how to manage your pavilion and use it for other purposes, like as a wedding venue or running a bar if, um, if you want to, and all of those kind of things to help clubs be better clubs, to help them to become more sustainable in the long term. So all of that knowledge is, is known somewhere within the game and it's almost it's our role to help disseminate that information. Mm. Um, and if people want to better themselves, then we can provide that kind of capability maturity test to say, yep, you're quite good at this, but have you thought of doing this? And here's some research or here's some other clubs that are good at doing this. And, mm. and joining people up and, and so I, I, I continually on the hunt for other business models that right. we might emulate to try and learn from them mm. um, how better to do things and what what organizations whether uh, maybe some maybe one sporting one and one other who do you admire where you think god i really wish we could do something that particular thing really sort of attracts me that's an interesting one <laughs> i i mean there are I, I, I guess there are components of lots of different organisations that I wish we were. So I, I mentioned the Facebook analogy. I mentioned Gartner analogy. I, I think there are organisations which are fantastic at business process. So if you wanted to do a particular thing and engage with us in a particular way, at the moment that might be quite a variable experience depending on where you live, which county board you're dealing with, which part of the ECB you're dealing with. So... Organisations that are excellent at business process optimization, I think would be fantastic. I think I look at farmer organisations for how good they are at research and development because effectively our elite performance area is research and development. And what we've become very good at in the last few years is doing very short, agile IT projects to test innovation to see is this a good idea could you give me an example 
So we have, well, a lot of it's kind of competitive advantage. Yeah, that's but absolutely <laughs> fine. Though. But um, I think th- there are examples where, uh, we've got a very good example this year, where we, we've pulled together lots of different data sources about fast bowling um, and presented them in one app, which is available on the App Store, where our national cricket performance centre, uh, you know, fast bowling gurus get to see a, f- a fast bowler from the counties, you know, maybe once, twice a year and then work with them and do biomechanical analysis with them and, mm. and, and various things and have recommendations. But traditionally what has then happened is they've gone back to their county and they've worked with their local coach and then there's been a kind of a distance relationship yeah. with yeah. them. What we've been able to do now is to put that the same app into the hands of their county coach who can then keep the National Cricket Performance Centre apprised of progress mm-hmm. and also ask advice or give advice and say, you know, I've noticed that this is working really well with my um, mm. uh, particular bowlers and then passing that insight back centrally to, to the ECB all through one app captured in our analytics environment mm. in an environment in a... Uh, an application that people like to use Mm. and we're able to do that really very quickly using low code application development environments and using um, uh, our data lake analytics environment Mm. in google cloud platform and just very quickly respond to that i think where i'd like to see us take that next is use that same innovation mentality startup mentality in other parts of the organisation and become far more responsive. We still have aspects of the organisation which are bureaucratic. There's a certain amount of inertia to, you know, implementing anything new. And, you know, the onus is on us to train and help our business um, users and our people who are using this technology train them how to to work in an agile environment where they're not going to get everything right first time and they're not going to go through a big specification exercise and a big design exercise and a big acceptance exercise and then have a product which they'll live with for a number of years Mm. but they're going to go through this iterative innovative life Mm. cycle to gradually improve their lives and um is there a sort of i mean the picture you're describing so um in in such a fascinating way is is very innovative very evolving is uh, uh, is there a sort of another group who say well frankly this 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 isn't cricket you know you know uh, uh, cricket is a you know it's part of our sort of um, kind of national story cricket of you know uh, the village green and and very traditional almost quite historical mm. and um I can't believe that that everything you're doing, everybody's totally supportive of. Is there a sort of bit of a pushback from the uh, the more traditional side of the game, or or, or maybe I th- not? I, I think that's inevitable, and I think there's a there are tensions all over all over the, the game. But I think there's probably a perfect normal distribution for everything of of any new innovation. Then you'll have people that are fanatically. Um, in favour of it and mm. then you'll have people that are fanatically opposed to it and then yeah. a kind of a large rump of indifference in between but you just have to look outside here at Lords. at one end we've got this wonderful old pavilion mm. and at the other end we've got this fantastic piece of architecture this media centre yeah. and cricket somehow seems to be able to mm. mesh and, and, a, and, and mesh the, the, the heritage and the, the respect for where it's, it's been with with the new so mm. the all of the innovations around the game in analysis or in 
um, just new forms of the game, such as 2020 cricket, which is massively popular. But still, we sell out test cricket here in this country, and 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 people love the longer forms of the game. So it's always been a very analytical sport. People have always been obsessed with going through the stats it's and, a sort and of understanding quite a nerdy it. Nerdy sport, isn't it? It, it can be. It, it can well, be. I mean, you know, yeah. as you say, you know, people have always followed the stats in cricket before before yeah. before stats were stats. Exactly, yeah. and and if we're inventing new ways of understanding the game and new ways of statistically portraying the game, then people tend to be in favour of that mm. and and like to look for new ways. And there are there are lots of people out there as well. This is this is one of the things that we haven't tapped into yet, which we we um, plan to, is is the fact that we have the most engaged workforce, if you like, out there in cricket fans. Um, a lot of whom are very IT savvy. A lot of whom are very cricket savvy, and and that's the next generation for me is starting to exploit that workforce, for want of a better word, because there are people out there who would love to develop new ways of analyzing the game with us and for us um, and if we can give them stats and information through apis and through common interfaces that they can then play with um, then that would be fantastic yeah no i mean it's, it's fascinating i'm just sort of thinking about the application you've talked about you know the this demographic at primary school you know and obviously you know mathematics teaching mathematics teaching mathematics through cricket is that it it just feels to me i mean you know i know a lot of people are looking for different ways into what can perceive to be a a, a hard subject but such a an important one well i'm no maths teacher (laughs) so i don't know but uh, um i mean certainly if you look at at um all stars cricket it's a it's a fantastic way of teaching pe and movement and and it, it hits i forget the stats but there there are certain kind of critical measures of of um, coordination and kind of uh, motility and 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 what have you for for various age groups and cricket fulfills you know 90 percent of those and people playing cricket at that age are they're learning they're learning movement they're learning sport they're learning they're learning all sorts of incredible life skills which will stick with them forever you know like like the importance of losing you know and losing you know magnanimously yeah. and grac- graciously um and winning magnanimously yeah. and not gloating and 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 all sorts of teamwork skills you know th- th- there's so many important life skills that sport offers mm. um that you know it's massively important to us that mm. that everybody has as mm. as much exposure as they can to cricket so so is this the most enjoyable job you've had um i think it's up there yes so I mean, it's certainly it it's sounds like you get an awful lot back from what you do and that you've got a real passion and and zest to help the game evolve yeah definitely it's 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 incredibly fulfilling and as i say you do very little harm and and everywhere you look around you you can see the force for good that that cricket is that sport is um and that just the kind of team teamwork team kind of ethic that sport sport um, engenders so i think i it sometimes it doesn't feel like a proper job yes <laughs> and and so and my final question is so what what does a perfect working day if the day's gone just perfectly what what would that look like what would be the ingredients that's a really difficult <laughs> one um 
I get to watch a lot of cricket. Mm-hmm. Um, that might be a double-edged sword because I'm now so involved and concerned with with what goes on behind the scenes that that I sometimes wonder if I'll ever enjoy a game of cricket again. But it's it's so varied that you know one day. I might be working with sports science and medicine people and team doctors on technology that will enable them to analyse MRI scans of spines and knees and things mm. better and just being in awe of, of, of the work that they do but also having some valuable contribution to, to, to make their lives better. But then I can lift that up and put that into you know our, our memberships team and all of the work that they do around looking after the people that are coaching, are officialing, um, umpiring, scoring, and and just, again, being slightly humbled by the, the work that they do, but then seeing how I can make their lives easier. And so... I, I'm not sure I could any any particular one point of you know. No, no, and, that, and that's absolutely um, fascinating. I mean, I, I I do think listening to the way you've described things that a lot of large organisations could learn a huge amount about the way you regard the entire family, as you called it, as part of your almost part of your workforce, part of your team, and and building that that shared communal experience. You know, because if you're a you know, a, a, if you're a retailer, you know, a car manufacturer, whatever, it's it's all about trying to create that connection and that good relationship. So I, 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 that's um, fascinating. So, well, thank you so much, Damien, for the privilege of sitting here looking out over the beautiful Lord's cricket ground. I've never seen it with nobody well, not almost nobody. There's a few people dotted around here. And it's been fantastic to talk to you. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Digital Workplace Impact is produced by the Digital Workplace Group, a strategic partner and boutique consultancy supporting more than 100 leading businesses and public institutions to advance their intranets and broader digital workplaces through benchmarking, research and practitioner expertise. If you'd like more information, visit digitalworkplacegroup.com and thank you for listening.